Thank you for joining us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help in drawing near to God through reading God's Word and then applying its truths to our lives. If I can be of assistance to you, feel free to reach out to me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. What happens inside a person when they yield to Satan? It happens. That's what took place in Judas's life, and it still takes place today. Where does it begin? Today on Drawing Near, while Jesus is teaching in the temple and praying at night in the garden, Judas is scheming. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 22 as we study Judas Turns. And in preparation for our study today, let's pray together. And our Father in heaven, as we look at this episode in the life of Jesus, in the life of Judas and the disciples, it's a great concern to me that we possibly can experience such deception. Now, I don't believe a true Christian, someone who is sincerely trusted in Christ, can do this. Certainly, Satan can't enter them. Your promise to keep us and secure us for eternal life is guaranteed in Scripture. Your Holy Spirit indwelling us is a part of that guarantee. But can self-deception still take place? Can seeds of hypocrisy be present? Is it possible to appear to be a Christian and yet in your heart be a hypocrite? Help us, Father, to be willing to humbly examine ourselves, to consider the depth of sin in our lives, and at the very least, having done so, be thankful for your forgiveness. But help us to take heed. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 1, it reads, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. So obviously the Passover is coming, also known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Passover was observed to remember God's deliverance of the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. You'll probably remember that as God worked in Moses' life to make known to Pharaoh that God desired his people to be set free, Pharaoh resisted, and there were a series of plagues, a series of curses, judgments against Egypt, and eventually the final judgment came in which there was a Passover. The Passover was the night they observed the death angel passing over all of the houses of Israel where the blood of a lamb had covered the doorpost and the lentils. That's what they were remembering. Thousands of years later, they still remembered this. And during this holy time of Passover, when they're to remember God's deliverance and God's promise to be their God and their commitment to be the people of God, we're told, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him. They wanted to kill Jesus. They didn't just want to get rid of him. They didn't just want to imprison him. They had tried to discredit him and could not. The people still revered him, obviously, as he had entered Jerusalem prior to the Passover in preparation for observing the Passover, the people had lauded him. And so they wanted to kill him. Now think about that for a second, because it's so easy to read over that. These religious people who were believed to be holy and called of God wanted to murder somebody. They didn't just think about it. They weren't just filled with anger that allowed them to dream or consider it. They were seeking how they would do it. They were scheming how they would kill him. And they were scheming because they couldn't just go out and do it outright. They feared the people. 
They were politicians at heart. They were politicians looking after their own interest, looking carnally after their own interest, and they feared what the people would do. So they tried to scheme and plot and figure out a way in which they might kill him. I can't even begin to understand where that kind of mindset comes from, but it is prevalent among the Jewish leadership at different times in their history. In verse 3, we're told, Then Satan entered Judas. The scheming of individuals who were sinful and wicked and carnal, and the work of Satan comes together, and it comes together in one person. Satan enters Judas. Now, Judas, surnamed Iscariot, had been a follower of Jesus, had walked with Jesus. He had been entrusted with the money box of the disciples. He was somebody that they had trusted in. He had gone with them and seen the miracles and heard all the words. He had a close-up view of everything Jesus did. And yet, being numbered among the twelve, he was not a true disciple. He was not a true student. Something in his heart and life had kept him from fully trusting in Christ. He pretended to. We don't see anyone among the disciples in the Gospels or later in the epistles saying anything about how they sought or Judas had revealed his intentions. Satan enters Judas. We're going to see later, even as Jesus and his disciples celebrate the Passover, no one suspected Judas. But Satan enters Judas, and he couldn't do that unless there was an opportunity in Judas's heart. So Satan enters Judas, and so he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and the captains. While Jesus is teaching in the temple, while he's praying at night, Judas separates himself from the disciples for a brief period of time. He goes his way, and he confers with the chief priests and captains. And he confers with them how he might betray him to them. It obviously was common knowledge that the chief priests and the scribes wanted to kill Jesus. And so he sought this as an opportunity to make money. He conferred with them because he was plotting and scheming and negotiating what they were willing to pay for his betrayal. And they were glad. They were glad that this individual would betray Jesus. They were glad that they were going to have an opportunity to kill Jesus. And they agreed to give him money. And so he promised. He made a covenant with them and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. He continues scheming, trying to find out when is the best opportunity that he might have to betray Jesus when the people weren't around. Now, as you think this through, Jesus gives him this opportunity. Jesus tells him when to do this. He does it during the Passover, and we will see it later. But I want to take a few moments and ask some questions. Do you think Judas from the very beginning, knew he was a traitor, knew that he was capable of betraying. I believe that a year earlier, if he had asked Judas what his attitude was toward Christ, whether he would ever betray him, he would have denied it. I believe he would have denied it just as vehemently as Peter denied that he would deny Christ. And yet something happened. I believe it is imperative as believers that we genuinely examine our hearts and know that we have put our faith in Jesus, that we have committed to follow Jesus, that we've committed to follow Jesus no matter what the cost, no matter what the suffering, that we have our eyes wide open and we do as Jesus says, we count the cost. I believe we consistently need to examine our lives 
to see whether or not we are bearing fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not just doing things for Jesus in our own power, but the Holy Spirit regenerating us, working in our lives, and bearing fruit. The gospel and the word of God working in us. We should have a desire to pray. We should have an independent desire to study God's word. We should be committed because of personal conviction aided by the Holy Spirit to go to worship and to minister and to serve and to give. We need to examine our hearts. We need to do what the scriptures say. We need to work out, live out, test our salvation in fear and trembling. We need to guard against self-deception. We need to guard against the temptations of the world. I have seen many people who profess a relationship with Christ go out and commit adulterous affairs, swindle bosses, turn on people in church, even cause rebellions within the body of Christ. Where does that begin? I think it begins in their minds in somewhat innocent ways. They entertain an idea and they don't reject it. When they are tempted, they don't take the opportunity presented to them by God and flee. We're told that there's no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man. But with every temptation, God provides a way of escape. We must take that way of escape and humbly confess and repent. The heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? Sometimes I think the worst thing we can do is be too confident in our eternal security. Now that sounds like a horrible thing to say. I think we can trust in the promises of God, trust in our eternal security, and at the same time, not trust ourselves that much. I want to trust God. I don't want to trust myself. I think we need to pray about these things and think about these things. I don't think it should cause us enormous doubt. I think it should cause us to more actively serve and worship God and lay hold of the promises and the truths and the doctrines of God. I believe Judas betrays Christ, but earlier he would have never thought himself capable of that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's true. Father in heaven, help us to examine ourselves, to make sure we are in the faith. Help us, Father, to examine the gospel call, to read your word, to constantly be bathing our lives in the truth of your word, not to constantly be listening to every preacher and every teacher and every idea, reading every book out there because we want to feel good, but reading your word for ourselves, study to show ourselves approved unto God. Help us, Father, to understand your truths. Work in us, and if there be any area of deficiency or lack, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to address it. Help us to humbly come before you, acknowledging our sinfulness and your holiness. And thank you so much for the way you keep us, Father. Secure us. Give us confidence in your security while we continue to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. Help us not to be like those who have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, based on the truth that if we will draw near to God, He will draw near to us.